Hello, everybody. I'm Tom Dorsey. I'm Jay Greg Nanny. It's March 28th, 2018, almost Easter time here. And yeah. today, shorts are out. Sure. <laughs> That's right. You got your well, shorts? Now you got long pants on? I haven't pulled my shorts out just yet. Oh, it was cold man. this morning. But it's going to hit 70 today. Yeah, it's going to hit 80 tomorrow. And 80 tomorrow? Yep. Man, all right, the shorts are coming out tomorrow. But let me tell you something. If you go to weatherbell.com, which is the best weather service around, in my opinion, we're going to get another bass blast of cold weather. Say it ain't so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say it ain't so. It Man, is so. This has, been, this has been a really interesting year for the weather because we hit um, the first day of spring in Richmond. I can't tell you the last time that we actually had snow on the ground when the calendar actually flipped over. Jay, spring. it's simple. There is a 100-year cycle, a 500-year cycle, and a 1,000-year cycle. If you want to know today's weather, or in general, the next quarter's weather or whatever, go back 100 years. So go Google uh, weather in 1917 and 18, and you'll see all the stuff that we just went through. All right, I'm going to have to do that, see how it's going to come up. See how the spring and summer is going to be. It's pretty simple. <laughs> all right, People fair enough. People to make things difficult. So you mean all this time I spend looking at the meteorologist and all that kind of good stuff? I just go back hundred years and go back hundred years. How, how did like in two thousand thirteen? I think it was. How did I predict that 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 Niagara Falls would freeze over? You could walk across it. People mm. thought I was crazy. Put it on Facebook. I went back to nineteen thirteen. I think it was thirteen or fourteen. I can't remember what year. And it had frozen over. It sure did. So I simply said, okay, looking back a hundred years, it will freeze over. Therefore, it will freeze over this year, and it did. <laughs> And I remember. And you I say, didn't even have to go to meteorology school. <laughs> and I remember you saying that, and I'm not going to tell you what I thought at the time, but it happened. <laughs> at any rate, it certainly happened. Let's think about the market. Where do we stand here? What happened? I, I put um, a little article out today on LinkedIn, which I'm going to start doing much more frequently, um, about the bullish percent reversing over. Mm-hmm. And the bullish percent is important to me for so many reasons. But it goes back to when we first started Dorsey Wright and Associates, when I first became acquainted with Chartcraft uh, in the 1970s. Mike Burke and I became a friend, and I, I understood the, the bullish percent. And back then, it was the most important market indicator we had. You remember that. You've been around with, with us forever. And when that reversed down, you could sit back and you could say, you know what, it was that big 600-point down day that did it. But you can't look at the reasons why these things happen. The fact that it did happen is all that's important. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean, the fact that it did reverse down? And when it reverses down, it picks up the risk level of the previous column of O's, which was bear confirmed. And when you break that down into street light parlance, you know, is that a green light? Is it a flashing red? Is it a flashing yellow? Is it a yellow light? It's a, it's a red light, which means you stop. Well, immediately to me, because I have the ability to utilize options in my accounts, it's a covered writing. It tells me I need the right calls. I need to mitigate risk in some way, shape, or form. I don't sit back and think about why this is going to happen, and I'm going to override that because I'm going to be smarter than the market. I'm not. It's saying that we have a problem with that reversing into a column of O's. If it reverses back up, great. That's not going to happen overnight. But I want to still proceed, but I've got to proceed with lots of caution. Mm-hmm. So you said you said it's a red light, so stop. Yeah. Don't swerve totally off the road and, and get find yourself into a ditch, but stop. Yeah. Evaluate positions, 
And in your case, your way to play defense, if you will, is to overwrite certain positions. Overwrite certain positions. But really what the bullish percent is telling you, stop. What does stop mean? It means stop. Yeah. So we're coming up to May. What's the old market adage? Sell in May and go away. Well, I mean, you think about that kind of thing. Yeah. How many people actually do that? Well, in the brokerage <clears throat> business, you can't do that. You can't sell in May and go away because you might as well just be out of the business. But it might make sense, and, and there's a reason for those old market adages. Now, you can find people who will say, well, I did my research, and, and that's not the case. It's a case in that it's been like that for 100 years. Yeah. You know, and if you, look at, if you look at selling in May and going away, you're probably better off than selling in November and going away. So my point here is, with the bullish percent reversing back down, and that puts you in bare confirmed status, it suggests that you stop. Well, sometimes it's hard to stop because you're in modern portfolio theory, you're utilizing firm um, models, and modern portfolio theory says that twice a year we're going to sell the things that are doing well, and we're going to buy the things that are doing poorly because ultimately the things that are doing poorly will do well, and things that are doing well will do poorly. Mm -hmm. And although it doesn't make any sense to me, that's what's going on, so there is no capability of just stopping. And I'm not sure compliance would allow you to stop either. So what's the next best thing? The next best thing would be to mitigate risk by writing calls. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing I was going to say is, is to make sure you're, you're paying attention. So stop might just mean stop, look around, pay attention, understand what you have in the portfolio, uh, if there's individual positions, if there's ways, if you have options, papers in, ways to manage risk, uh, overwriting positions, um, Buying some insurance, if, if that's certainly another uh, avenue, by buying puts or, or something to buy some insurance type of thing. But if you look across the board and, and you know, a lot of the calls that we've been getting in the office here over the past couple of days is this is the second pullback, we'll call it, second um, uh, pullback that we've seen so far this year. Uh, first, obviously, we saw in January down to February, and here we are again experiencing another pullback after the markets weren't able, quite able to hit new highs. I say the markets, the Dow and the S&P 500 indexes did not hit new highs when they rallied back in February and March. Uh, the NASDAQ composite and NASDAQ 100 indexes did hit new highs during that time period. And um, what led that to those new highs was the technology sector. Mm -hmm. And technology uh, here recently over the past couple of days has been the one that's been at the forefront of the pullback. Names like Facebook, uh, out there uh, in the news being investigated and, and all that kind of good stuff. But the technology sector is one that is 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 the uh, second best performing sector uh, out of the broad sector so far this year. Um, it's, it's come under more scrutiny so far uh, here in the last couple of weeks, uh, second only to consumer discretionary. But when you look across the board, a lot of the question is that, that we're getting is, is this the end of technology? Is the technology run done? Is, is uh, are we back in, you know, 99, 2000, and yeah. the bubbles burst. Well, the answer so. to that is absolutely it's the end of technology. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> who would ask that question? No, it's not the end of technology. You're going to see more and more and more and more technology coming along the line. We, the best way to look at that would be a comparison and contrast from the XLK, I think that's it, that's the right. XLK versus the standard Porter's 500. Basic, if you have children in fourth grade, they can help you with this. Divide the XLK price by the standard Poor's price, take that number and put it on a point and figure chart. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that shows you clearly, if you look at those two, on a chart that goes back to 1999, this is not an overnight chart, 
that it's clear technology has got the upper hand versus S&P 500, and you definitely want to be involved in technology. That's right. Well, you know, and, and again, it's, it's, it's a short-term phenomenon that, that causes a lot of questions to come out. When you look at um, the Dolly rank, so the sector level of Dolly, we continue to see technology as the number one ranked sector, and that has not budged. Technology continues to um, be number one, and, and we have yet to see any uh, relative strength sell signals come from technology uh, across other sectors as well, in addition to the chart, Tommy, that you mentioned on XLK continuing to be favored over the market. It continues to be favored over all of the other broad-based sectors out there from a relative strength perspective and that might, today. And that might be in, in, in our lifetime. Yeah. It's going to continue on like that. That's right. You know, the market gives you some things that are um, once-in-a-lifetime kinds of things. I think back to October of the year 2000, when all of a sudden, after many years of the market favoring large cap, it favored small cap. And favoring equal weight, it previously favored cap weight. So it went to small cap equal weight. Value and growth, it, value, it valued growth for five years straight. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, it churned value. So if you were a customer, and you said, okay, I'm going to take those signals. I'm going to buy a fund that is small cap value equal weight. You didn't have to do anything for 13 years. That's the kind of things that, that the market gives you every now and then. Mm -hmm. Think back to November of 2011. That was a very tough year, 2011. What yes, happened yeah. to us then? I think it might have been November 24th. I'm not sure that we wrote the report. Go back into our archives and read this report. What was the name of it? It had to do with building. Uh, Can you remember the name? I, no, I remember the article. You got I don't a remember the mind name. Re, re, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd be I'd be guessing at this point, but okay. it was um, it was the economic inter, uh, housing starts. Right, was part exactly. of that. Right, the housing yeah. starts had broken out for the second time off the bottom. It was clear to us that that housing was the play, and we made a big to do in the report to buy anything related to housing, even even paint companies, uh, wood companies lumber futures, anything that had to do with housing, probably one of the most the major calls that we've made in 30 years at Dorsey Wright and Associates, but it's because we looked at the economic indicators that were changing, and the market had gone through a, a major sell-off, but this was, this was a major change that took place. Market gives you these every now and then. Building a solid foundation. That's it. That, that was, was the name of the article. November 18th of 2011. I want you all to go to November 18th, 2011, and read that report. And that was the beginning of investing for us in the building sector that turned out to be a bonanza for you and your customers. Yeah, it was also coming, I mean, less than a month before that is when U.S. equities moved up to number one in Dolly after a very tough year. And so if you go back and kind of put yourself back into the end of 2011, it was a time period where things didn't feel good, but the indicators were turning and they were suggesting getting more overweight towards equities, looking at, at areas of opportunity like uh, building and, and those types of stocks. Yeah. Anything related to building. Yeah. Yeah. If they made screwdrivers, you want to own it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of those. Uh, manufacturers and, and uh, retailers in that in that space as well alike. And so, you know, you, you look at today and, and, you know, the bullish percent reverses down and you take it into context of, you know, what it means for your business, but also you, you take it in under the context of 
Um, the general trends of the market indexes are all still positive. U.S. equities continues to be ranked number one in Dolly, followed by international equities. And so to your point earlier of stop, look around, and pay attention, not swerving off the road to find yourself in a ditch right here, uh, given these changes, is, is certainly um, the way to look at that. Absolutely. And one of the things, you know, let, let, let's talk about a little bit of arithmetic here. You know, I look at the Apple computer here. Apple's given a couple of cell signals. It's close to giving another cell signal at 164. Um, you know, a person that owned Apple and they've ridden it down from 182 may be a little worried, you know, and saying, geez, Apple, it's, it's had a straight-up line since down at 155. What could I do to mitigate risk mm-hmm. in the position? Mm-hmm. One thing you could do is buy a put against your Apple. You're already long-term in it. And buying a put would, would be the same as buying insurance. So let's say... On Apple, you chose to buy a 164 or 165 put. What are you, in essence, doing to that stock? When you're long stock, long put, the equivalent is long call. So what could you do with Apple if you're already long term? You could take your profit in Apple, book the profit, your long term in it, and replace it with a call. Mm-hmm. That's the exact same thing as owning a put against a long stock. So when you understand your option equivalence, it gives you many more things that you can do in this market. Still keep your foot in the stirrup, but mitigate the risk utilizing options. Yeah. It's a great point. You have any more points? Nothing is as good as that. <laughs> <laughs> I could go on and yeah. on, but you know what, what I'm going to do, start looking at LinkedIn, and uh, I'm going to start putting things out there. I've got a lot to say <clears throat> and not a lot of time to do it. No, you've got plenty of time to do I'm it. I'm getting old, man. You've got plenty of time. <laughs> <laughs> Lots more time left to do it. I would like to think that. Yeah, Lots more time left to do it. And um, while we could go on forever on this, I guess this marks the uh, the last podcast of the first quarter Yeah. of 2018. Right. Man, it's gone by quick, hasn't it? It has. And we've got um, one more month now until sell in May and go away. We get so, to go through the, the month of April. And um, what, you know what happens there, too? Like in some many of the models that we have, we have seasonal models. Yeah. In other words, this is pretty cool. You know, if you looked at uh, our PDP, which is our technical leaders, with the standard and poor's low volatility, SPLV, mm-hmm. those two combined, in essence, for a Dorsey Wright system, is PDP, SPLV, all those combined. Right, right. So what you've got is 50%. PDP, 50% SPLV, except when May comes, May 1st, you switch that over to only 30% long the PDP and 70% long SPLV, which is low volatility S&P 500. Mm-hmm. And you hold that until the 1st of November and then switch it back. 70% long PDP, 30% long uh, SPLV. By doing that, by, by adjusting position seasonally, you add value. Yeah, yeah and what basically, effectively, what you're doing is... We know that there's a seasonal bias towards the market producing um, basically all of its gains during the November through April time period. Mm-hmm, and what mm-hmm. you're doing effectively is overweighting growth and momentum stocks during that time period. And during the, the seasonally weak period, we're effectively overweighting um, lower volatility exactly. names as we go through that seasonally weak period. Um, but there's two ETFs out there that you can actually execute on that That's uh, right. concept. That's right. Exactly. Idea. Yeah. That's where you bring value to your customer. Well, at any rate, let's go ahead and stop here and we'll catch him next week. Sounds good.